listeners, this is episode 143, The Tenth Commandment, Part 10. I know. Ironic, isn't it? Sexy 
sells Indeed and the whole world is buying. That is Creed. Um, this goes back, all the way back to the Christian meta-narrative back in Galatians? No. It's a different book of the Bible. Yes, Russ, it starts with a G. Come on! Come on! Sorry. Going all the way back to the book of Genesis and uh, talking about the, the sin. First of all, if we go back to the garden, right? God makes Adam. God makes Eve. You know, makes Eve as the, the cherry topping, right, on, on top of creation. I hear, you know, women's groups have said in the past, oh, yeah, that, you know, Eve came along because Adam, you know, needed a helpmate and all this stuff, and just kind of making it this negative. Listen, God created the world, and then he's like, all right, something's missing. And he makes woman, and he is like a like a cherry topping on top of that. I, I love that metaphor. Um, John Eldridge talked about that in his book, Captivating, uh, talking about a woman's heart. Great book. Um, anyway, the object of beauty for Adam was Eve, right? Like, he had nothing else to measure up against. I mean, he had all these animals come out. God's like, all right, you name the animals. He's naming the animals. He doesn't see another female animal, right? God makes Eve, and he's like, the first thing he does, he sings a song. You know, gets out a guitar, and he's like, whoa, awesome, naked woman, shouting with joy, writing songs, right? So, uh... That's why chicks dig guys and bands, I think. You know, this goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Whoa, you know, musician, sweet, right? Um, That was his object of beauty. That was her object of beauty was Adam. They had nothing else to measure against. And I think we see some of this today um, sociologically when you hear people talk about, you know, if you were locked on a desert island with a certain person, who would it be? You know, that's a question you hear. Like, who is the desire, right, that your object of beauty would be? You go to a grocery store, and you've got, here in the, in the United States, grocery store, convenience store, whatever. you got all these magazines, and, they, you know, Cosmopolitan, and whatever, a bunch of them, right? There's just a bunch of these magazines. And they all have the object of beauty in the front. And then, um, you know, going through the Ten Commandments, you know, we're kind of talking a little bit about vanity here a little bit. And we're also touching on idolatry, because in a lot of these magazines right there is, like, good news, right? It's the gospel. we got the gospel of you want to be fantastic, you got to look like this, and you got to screw like a freaking acrobat, right? There's all these articles, you know. I mean, every – and it's been like this for a few years now. I mean, I – since like 2004, 2005, this trend happened where right on the front of every magazine that's on the counter, there's got to be something on sexual technique, you know? You look like this, and you do it like this. So, you know, ten ways to heat up, right? I mean, all these different text. I mean, we're just a, a shallow, thirsty culture, you know? Screaming, I need, I need, I need. What is my object of beauty? Tell me, because I'm thirsty to know what will satisfy my soul. You know, I mean, that's kind of what's going on, isn't it? You know, one of those things, right? Well, why? Why would you want to be stuck on a desert island with that person? 
I think it's a cool kind of question, you know. We usually think about celebrities, you know, you ask a high school or college person that, and young people, and they answer, usually with a celebrity, and then they say, why? And for a lot of uh, people like me, like I was when I was young, why, Russ? Because she's hot, right? <laughs> because she's got big personality, right? She's got a great, great personality. Um, Right, I mean, that was just shallow me back in the day. It's just real, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't think about things. I would just kind of think of a funny, witty answer to something like that. I'm not going to reveal to you something, you know, my object of beauty, what that means, because I didn't really know. There are some of you that are thinking, you know, if my wife only, I have heard this from people, like, my wife only looked like the social norm. If she just looked like something that was attractive to me, then we would get along better, or I wouldn't be a sex addict. Can I tell you something? That's just simply not true. It's not true at all. I've got emails, and I've talked to guys. I've married to beautiful, is right, social norm beautiful, like... Smoking hot wife, beautiful, okay? Talladega Nights kind of smoking hot wife, beautiful. And they're sex addicts. As a sex addict, I was with a lot of women. And some body types just get boring and old when, you're, when your object of beauty is so shallow like that. It's just boring after a while, and then you need another one, and you, you know, this kind of vampire-like attitude towards my object of beauty, right? Fat, skinny, um, black, white, right? I mean, it's just never gonna satisfy that that thing, right? You pushing your wife to look like what you think is the object of beauty, or for other men to desire her, like she's the social norm. It's just ridiculous. Knock it off, man. That's not loving your wife. Loving your wife is, is telling her how beautiful she already is. And listen, if, if you desire for her to look a certain way, if you want her to be attractive to you, you know, in some way, you're not going to get there by telling her how ugly she is now and how you would love the future version of her. You tell her how beautiful she is now. How much do you love, right? I mean, how much do you love? What is your definition of love? Defining beauty and defining love, very close. But anyhow, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Adam had Eve. Eve had Adam. And today we go... Who would you like to be stuck on a desert island with? Um, social norms. You know, I could do a whole three hours on social norms. There is so much written about social norms and sociology. It's, it's mind-boggling. Um, conformity. We, we all conform, right? We, we do. You know, I'm a non-conformist. No, you're not. No, no, you're not. I heard a guy, what they see at, like, Seattle. I live in Seattle, Washington, and there's a bunch of, like, Seattle hipsters, right? And they're a whole kind of hipster culture in Seattle. And they all have this kind of, you know, rebellious kind of uh, thing going on. And it's not rebellion. It's, it's kind of funny. It's, you're not rebellious. You're not rebellious at all. It's like Pastor Mark at, at, at my church, Mars Hills Church in 
Seattle will say, you know, you want to really be rebellious in Seattle? Get married, right? Have sex with your wife, pay your taxes, and get a job, right? I mean, that's rebellion, 2011 Seattle, Washington. It's funny because it's true. You're not rebellious, you know? Come on. Um, so... Today's look, the image on the podcast today, if you look down at your device and you see the image for the podcast, it is a Renaissance picture of the object of beauty, right, during medieval times, um, during the formation of kind of culture in that day. That was the object of beauty. And I think that part of it is this weird thing that we have as human beings that you, you, you want what you can't have. And for most of us, you know, the, the object of beauty being this physical, here in 2011, right, it's this um, athletic, for guys, right, athletic, um, beautiful, big busted, usually, woman. I mean, that's what's put on magazine covers. That's what sells um, some hot girl revealing her stuff, usually very young, in her 20s, and athletic. Um, not so in medieval times. In medieval times, it was what we would call today voluptuous, um, overweight. Uh, some would consider today some of these pictures to be obese. But this was the object of beauty for that time, for, for the average guy getting what you cannot have. Because if you were overweight back then, it meant you had wealth, you had money, you were well-to-do, you were a very disciplined person, or you were married to a disciplined person, or you disciplined yourself enough to be higher up in the social structure. Usually that meant whoever's vagina you popped out of. I'm sorry, that probably offends some of you uh I don't know, the English types. I, you know, I, I respect the parliament and all that. I, I do to a certain extent. Um, I just, I don't know, as an American, I throw that out there. It's just kind of weird. We have elections and we, I don't know, we don't always elect the most, um, the biggest winners, do we? I know. So, uh, right. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. A lot of what object of beauty is today is just shallow, superficial social norms. Attraction, heart-level attraction to just a social norm because we have thirsty hearts. We have thirsty hearts that don't look for deep wells. It's these two conflicting desires, right? One of them's deeper and one of them's closer to the surface, and as a result, it's louder, okay? We're always going to have to fight that. There's a book written called Every Man's Battle, which, you know, describes that. You were born this way. I mean, that's one of those things. <laughs> There's a song like that. Um, Lady Gaga, right? I like how she uh, she talks about her fans as little monsters. I think that's kind of cool, actually. Um, but, again, we don't just embrace everything that we're born into. The Bible says, you know, David screaming out in a song that he wrote in the Psalms, I was born into iniquity, right? It's this kind of fleshy sin nature that we all have 
that we have to fight. It's, it's the desires that, that are at war within us, as the book of James talks about. One of them is for deeper life. One of them is for a real sense of joy. That song um, by Lit, uh, I'm my own worst enemy, right? You're, you're chasing that surface loud desire. You know, reacting to it and giving into it every single time is destroying that life-giving, fertile, organic desire that's underneath that, right? That, that gives birth to love. That, that gives and, and grows like a seed a long life of loving another person. Does that make sense? We're in conflict with our desires. It's like Tim Keller said, one of them's a deep desire of the soul, and the other one is a fleshy desire that's sitting on the surface screaming as loud as a car alarm. And we usually obey that one. Does that make sense? Your object of desire getting deeper. That's the, the question I want to ask you. Beauty is what? Define that for yourself in your heart as it's at war. What is beauty? Finding someone you can love. Finding someone who you, right... If you're married now, that's the person you're with now, all right? <clears throat> Again, Dr. Block, guy I had on the show, um, he does, he's a psychologist in, in New York. He's written some books. Um, I, I did an interview with him for his book, Emotionally Naked. Is that what it's called? I, I think it is. I can't remember. Anyway, he uh, <laughs> good interview if you want to listen to it. Anyways, he talked about this. He, he did a, a review of a book in the, in the New, York, New York Post, I believe. He did a review of a book where a guy has this affair with this woman, and he talks about his attraction to her and her beauty and, and how he wooed her and how he went after her and how he, he builds this relationship with her and says, you know, I just want to be emotionally naked with you. I just want to be with you. I just want to, we don't have any secrets. We just, everything's out in the open and we're, you know, we're in love and we're, you know, that's just this passionate relationship we have. And Dr. Block writes in his, his review how awesome he thought the book was and how much he liked it. And then he said, and I'm like, okay, where are you going with this, Dr. Block? And then he said at the end of his interview, he said, now imagine if he had the courage to have that kind of relationship with his wife, which I thought was awesome. Being in the person you're married to now, like I like to tell Christians who think, you know, look for excuses for divorce. Mark chapter 10, all right? You're married to the person you're married to now because God willed it. And you can build a new relationship with that person if you choose to. It's going to be harder than going out and having an affair. It's going to be harder than keeping secrets. It's going to take work. It's going to take falling in love again, like Journey songs talk about, right? I'm not going to play Journey Bumper, so just relax. Keep your seatbelt on, all right? Chill. Um, but do you get what I'm saying? Who is your object of beauty? What is your object of, object of beauty? How deep can your object of beauty go? 
married guys, can you um, stick with me on this, all right? Listen, can you love your wife enough to get over yourself? Being conformed to the image of Christ, right? I mean, that was my point when I said conformity. We all conform. That's truth. The reason people are sexually addicted is because of conformity. We're conforming to that. We conform to it. Does that make sense? You will conform. You will obey something. We all obey, ultimately. It's what we're designed to do. When God says, who told you you were naked? I mean, that's the first boom, a layer is put over this world, right? That layer of knowing good and evil superficiality is thrown like a blanket over this fractured planet over God's creation fractured that day in the garden God asks who told you you were naked you know naked and unashamed that is that is the before the fall way that they were they only knew each other and they were naked and unashamed I love that a beautiful picture of intimacy so will you conform to Jesus right will you conform to the image of Christ and be like him and die for your spouse who is a sinful human being just like you are then you're gonna have to overcome your selfishness and love her single guys will you will you be able to get on the treadmill Right? You put your heart on the treadmill and love a woman. Love a woman. Get over yourself. Realize that there's no perfect woman in the world. When you see the perfect woman on the surface, there's usually a lot more going on underneath that than you want to know, right? The iceberg. (laughs) Okay? You're going to marry a sinful human being. Can you exercise your heart enough to love to the point where you can get over yourself? and actually make a marriage work. Can you love someone? It's going to be hard. It's going to be the most difficult and awesome adventure of your life. Can you get on the treadmill, right, of your heart, of your emotions, and love someone? That's my question for you guys. Like home for you. As she grows old, she's still your object of beauty. When she's in her 50s, 60s, she's still your object of beauty because you love her on a deeper level than just superficial looks. Is that possible? It is. Can I tell you? It it is. As a guy who had a very shallow, shallow definition of beauty, and in my early, my younger years, a very shallow, shallow definition of love and what it meant to make love, right? What does it mean to be in relationship and have someone that you can come home to and have someone that feels like home because she knows you, because she puts up with broken, busted, flawed, jacked up you, because she loves you, because you put up with and love broken, busted, shallow her, right? What would that look like? What would that look like to just come home to that person? Love you guys. Wanted to leave you with a short, short, 
show today, but something to think about. This is my friend Jason, by the way. Um, his album's called When Roses Burn. Guy at Mars Hill Church in Everett that I, I, I love this guy, man. I, I love his story. Um, his wife is awesome. But he wrote a song called Take Me Home. I'm going to end out the show with that song. Kind of a mellow tune, but it has everything to do with God creating love, God creating your spouse, God who created beauty. What does it mean to be home with your object of beauty, with your love? It's not about you. It's about her. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the triangular relationship. If you're both following after God, you're coming closer together. I love this song so much. It reminds me of an old um, poem I heard years ago. And this song reminded me of that. He is still married to her when her hair is silver. And he's thanking God for making her. You know, seeing beauty in her as the years pass. I just thought it was a beautiful um, example and definition of love. Um, I've received emails from some of you guys, man. I'm praying for you, and uh, you're on my heart. I hope this message makes sense. If you'd like to donate, man, please uh, keep this thing going. If you want to message the ripple effect of this to continue, um, feel led to do that it's uh, asi247.org you can click on the donation tab it's through paypal um, digital audio project is still the name of the the organization you're donating to and there's a p.o box as well it just keeps this thing going um pray for me it's been a tough season love you guys till next time this is jason my friend jason when roses burn is the album i'll have it on the website asi247.org is the website click on the music tab if you want to download any of the tunes till next time bye with deep unsinking shadows twirling in and out of focus my eyes begin to wander water starts to flow, reminding and revolving round the ship of dreams are floating to undiscovered water where we'll never be alone. Silver shining seems at last to comfort me. Silver shining 
Where 